5 in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello and a very warm welcome to 5 in the eye, Colourful Radio's weekly news review show. In London, I'm Phil Woodford and this is episode 0351. And this is me, Mike Lohajuru, joining Phil via Zoom this week and revealing that our top story is going to be the shocking report into the maternity services at Shrewsbury and Telford NHS Trust. Mothers and babies have died in large numbers over a long period of time. Were, were we too scared to question or criticise the health service? Five in the eye. Story number two, we're going to look at an Ofcom report which suggests we're surprisingly bad at being able to spot fake news online. But we don't realise how bad we are. That's story number two. And for story number three, it's that now infamous slap at the Oscar salary earlier this week. Was Will Smith right to stick up for his wife? Or has he helped to normalise violence as a response to a verbal slight? So what's our fourth story this week? It's about pampered pets. Councils have an obligation to look after our furry friends in certain circumstances, but there are accusations that the cash lavished on them is excessive. Totally, totally. And to wrap up the five this week, it's the prisoner who escaped from custody wearing just socks and his underpants. He then apparently decided to shave off his beard to avoid detection. (laughs) That's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Well, we're going to start this week with um, what is really a, a horrific story of failure within the NHS, and it's to do with uh, the Ockenden report, um, which was into um, a maternity care at um, a particular NHS trust, Shrewsbury and Telford NHS Trust. And um, this inquiry that was led by a senior midwife, uh, Donna Ockenden, examined cases with, uh, of nearly 1,500 families. And this stretched over a long period, Michael, from, from 2000 to 2019. And she was reviewing cases of stillbirth um, and um, cases where uh, so babies had died, where babies um, had been born with disabilities, where mothers had died as well. And the report is damning about the, um, the culture of the hospital and the standards of care that um, were involved. One of the things that was going on was there was a there was an emphasis on natural birth mm. um, at the expense of the the health of the women and the babies. Now, you know, clearly there are huge lessons in the particular trust. There are wider lessons about maternity care, but aren't there bigger questions also, Michael, about the NHS as a whole and the fact that perhaps, you know, this kind of stuff can go on undetected for so long or and people had to really fight, didn't they, to bring it to the attention yeah, of that, that, the, yeah. uh, the authorities. I was over a number of years had to fight their corner, believe in their case. And what, what's what's so sad about this case is both sides believed in that they were doing the right thing, the best for mother and baby. You know, you make the you make the point that Phil about the this emphasis on, on natural childbirth. And they believed, or, or the midwives or the team that was there, that that was the most appropriate way, even though there were mothers there who said who 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 were reluctant or afraid 
wanted to have a cesarean, but they were, the, the, the council, the, 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 reason, the reason was they should have natural childbirth because that was seen as best for mother and child. And there's some dreadful stories of, 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 child, of children being born with broken skulls and, and, and limbs. Just horrible. My, my problem with this, Phil, is I have to believe that there's love on both sides here. From the from the midwives and the doctors, one of the very best for the patients. But equally, sometimes the patients do know best. The patient does know best because it's their body. And this this kind of a kind of this is this is, the, this is this is best practice. This is how it works, and almost like becomes mechanical. In in the the the, the process of delivering the, the service, and in this case, it's uh, it's, it's babies. And the, the word I read a number of words, a number of times in the reports I read was sexism. In terms of, yeah, I mean, I, the, I, I the, think the we can't. Male wouldn't believe the women. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we 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 can ignore the fact that this is a service that is catering for women, and that women ha- have felt that they're not being listened to. And I do think there is a, a, a strong element of potential sexism here in the way that, um, that the service has been run. But there is also a wider cultural issue within the NHS, perhaps about listening to patients generally. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a worry, too. Now, I want, you know, I want to make clear I'm a great believer in the principles of the NHS, the idea that we pay for it in our tax. <coughs> we. Um, have access to it whenever we need it, free of charge. It's great. And if you compare it to systems like the American system, I mean, there's just no comparison. No, people no, no, people no. live in fit, people live in yeah. fear in America of getting no, ill. No, well, but you know, don't take me by ambulance. When I'm yeah, ill, yeah. don't call an ambulance. Take it because yeah, yeah. you don't you, you don't want the bill, do you? And exactly. then, you know all, from the very from the get from the get-go, it's about money. And at least we have the you know, you get to the hospital, we 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 sort you out. Yeah. We do, and it was not about money. It's getting you sorted. But there is potentially an argument that says, um, in a state-run service, that certain cultures can creep in, certain complacencies can creep in. There are no, you know, if we look at some systems in continental Europe, which are universal systems, and people can get free healthcare, they often involve. Uh, insurance companies and um, other people who are involved in, you know, running the services on behalf of the state. When you have a directly state state run service, there's a special responsibility on the government and society to really scrutinise it and make sure it's working pro- properly. I just want to, I mean, I want to give an art. This, this example is trivial in comparison to the terrible things that went on in Shrewsbury. But, you know, recently um, I had to take uh my, my wife to an A and E. I remember. And, yeah. and 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 you know, in the end, she had to discharge herself after seven hours of waiting around because we were stuck mm. somewhere in a corridor remote from the A and E, where I swear that people didn't actually know who we were or why we were there. And we we could still be there now, Michael, if 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 we hadn't taken action. No, no, I guess Philip, when we discussed it on the day, the key thing was you were perceived. As not critical, yeah, and that's what the NHS. So that's a part of it succeeds. We are critical. The team comes into place and they get you sorted, stabilized. But because you were just okay and you were surviving and you were, you know, 
people were pop- popping up who were critical and you were being pushed down the queue. Yeah, and I can yeah. see that, you know, and this is, this is the NHS strength and its weakness. Yeah. The fact it takes you all in, but then has to do the triage in terms of let's get the important things done. You know, yeah. so I, 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 I fully understand. And that, is, as I say, sometimes the strength and the weakness because it takes in so many. And it, it has to find a way of dealing with it, particularly now, Phil, when, when there's a, a shortage of doctors and nurses, and not just in Britain, but there's a worldwide shortage of these, of these skills. So, you know, it, it's, it's a fact of life that there will never, Britain is not alone in having, in having these, um, these scandals, health scandals. They, they almost come... With, with, with the service, particularly when you're dealing at the level that we are now in terms of the, the numbers want to come. And then when you layer on what, what's happened in the last six, last six, not in the last six, but the last two years with COVID. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a more you know, complex that, and more challenging yeah. situation. Yeah, the, the situation is pretty desperate. Um, I, I completely agree. The resources now are inadequate to meet all the backlogs from COVID. And um, so, but, but this this means that we are going to have to be super vigilant, super cautious. And I think the Ockerden report tells us that we've got to keep our eyes and ears open. Well, when you say super cautious, you know, now who, who, who's, who's being cautious? We as consumers of NHS, that we go there with I, 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 I think, the NHS should be cautious? Because well, I, I would I, argue, yeah. I would argue, we have to go with confidence. We've got to believe that we're going to get the very best treat, treatment as and when. I, I, and, I think, and, I, and I think, you know, generally, generally we will. And I'm very, you know, I'm being delighted with some of the treatment that I and my family have had on the NHS. Yeah. And I, you know, I, 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 as I say, I'm a big supporter of it. But I, I do think we should be prepared to speak out if we see things that we don't consider to be right. And I don't think the assumption mm. should be always that everything that goes on is perfect and it's beyond criticism or beyond scrutiny. Now, at the risk of being difficult here, I have to agree with you. I shouldn't be afraid to speak out. But then on the other side of the coin, NHS has to be ready to listen. Ready to listen. And then sometimes it's, you know, it can be a bit of a, uh, a machine in terms of a monolith, in terms of we have these processes, this is what we believe is best. Hmm. And sometimes you want that in your doctor, you know, to say this is how it is, get it sorted, you know, we, we, we will sort it, move on. Whereas something you want to give back. Um, I'm, a, I'm a bit old school, Phil, in terms of I believe my doctor. Mm. You know, I've got faith in my doctor in terms of when he, when he tells me something or she tells me something, I will believe that. Well, you mean when they told you you had a body of a 35-year-old? <laughs> Thank you for that, Phil. Thank you for that. No, because you, you, the, 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 the other side, well, I don't believe you. I want a second opinion. Yeah. You know, and so many of us now with access to Dr. Google, we, we, we go into that. We go into the surgery full of ideas about what's wrong with no, us. Don't no, we? You do your research. You do your research. And it, be, it can be quite frightening. It can be. So now I, I mean, this is a, a deeply, deeply challenging and troubling uh, report. But at the same time, you know, the health, the health services, you have to believe that they're doing the best they can with the resources available. Live in the eye. Story number two this week is an Ofcom report, which is shocking, shocking on so many levels. But the biggest one was the number of people who believe that the internet 
is genuine, is real. What they read on the internet is true. You know, you're talking up to a third of people believe what they read on the internet. They take that for fact. They don't look into it. Don't you know who said it? Who who said it? What are they what are they really talking about? They take it for fact. Now this is extraordinary, and it, it, it also goes on to talk about the number of children that are involved in this. And these children are savvy because they've got their own account and they've got their friends' accounts. They, they, these are the people they call the the TikToks. Is that right? I, I was just. I, this is this is new to you. This is a there's a whole new generation. There's a whole savvy generation of, of young people who really understand the internet and know how to present themselves. Mm. But equally, there's a whole there's a generation of people out there who don't understand the internet who are ready to take it as is, Phil. So my concern, Phil, is how do we educate people? How do you educate, to understand the difference between misinformation? People talking stupidly, they got it wrong, or disinformation. People have got an agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was talking. I was talking to you offline. I mean, RT, for instance, the the Russian state broadcaster. They've lost their license to broadcast in the UK recently, which I think is a not very, before time. Yeah, very very uh, appropriate decision. But they're still on Twitter. And I was reading stuff this week about, oh, the Ukrainians were plotting biological weapons in eastern Ukraine, the Donbass, that disputed region in eastern Ukraine. And it was with the help of the Pentagon. And, you know, this is absolute uh, Moscow propaganda. um, And there is no fact behind it whatsoever. But their tweet is as prominent as anybody else's tweet. You can access it just as easily as anybody else's tweet. And it requires some discernment and some knowledge of world events to know that you shouldn't listen to what they're saying. You know, deep breath. It's in Russia, they've switched off the internet now. Twitter, Facebook is, is not is gone now. You can't listen to, you can't see, you can't hear them. But TV is big. And on TV, they're, 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 they're perpetrating, propagating all these lies. You know, the lies that the, the Ukrainians are bombing themselves. What's so extraordinary about it? The people believe this. The people, the most people watching TV, and this is generally older people living in, 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 uh, across the country, whereas the younger people who've got access to the internet through various means are able to see the truth. And this, 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 this sense of understanding what is and what isn't true I mean, you're making a really interesting point, Michael, which is that the the um, the internet is a source of misinformation and disinformation, but it's also a vital source of credible, genuine information for some exactly. people as well, isn't it? No and, question. And, and, and so, and so then, this ability to be able to distinguish between one thing and the other becomes so vital. One of the one of the really um, worrying aspects of that Ofcom report is they were doing research and they they found that if you ask people, could they tell the difference between fake news? And people were very confident they could. But when they were tested uh, with stuff that was fake, fake and real, their, their confidence in, in no way was matched by their ability to spot the fake news. So this is the worst possible combination because there's people believing that they're very good. They're really very good at telling the difference. But they've done their research. Um, 
one of the things that the report talks about is sometimes pe people believe what they want to believe. Mm -hmm. They haven't checked themselves in terms of why, why do I want to believe this? And often because it reinforces something you already believe. Yeah. You know, vaccines are, are dangerous. Vaccines cause death or, 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 or um, autism or whatever. And when, when you see a report that does it, oh, good, that's good, because it just reinforces yourself. And that and that's a challenge, Phil, that challenge yourself in terms of to come out of yourself and just look at the information as is. Yeah. And, and I, I think, Nina, that we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of looking for things that back up our existing points of view, uh, cherry-picking information so that we can make our arguments stronger. And, you know, I, I, I think... Uh, perfectly decent people might fall into might fall into that trap. You're absolutely right. It's something we should always be conscious of. We should always challenge ourselves on it. But um, coming back to your point about educating people, you mentioned to me in Finland they try yeah. and do this in the schools. The don't primary they? school. They talk about and, and it was an education for me because they talked about. Let me get it right. They talked about misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. So what's malinformation then? Well, that was the interesting one. This is where they take what looks like proper information, usually a man in a white coat talking about some the results of some jab tests, which are nonsense. So they take something that looks ostensibly factual. Mm -hmm. Or equally, they take something that, that is factual and then put it in a different context. Like we yeah. just saw that in Ukraine where they, where they showed you um, so-called um, Ukrainian bombs ro ro bombing, bombing in Ukraine. But, the, but those, those same films were taken from Syria. So they're using film yeah. from Syria. So it's, fil it's film that's real, but not in the right place at the right, it's right time. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so there's that, which, which is quite... Which is quite uh, and that's hard to understand because it looks real. It looks real. And and they talk about this, this concept of um, disinformation. And that's often, you know, this is where you've got to know that the source, is this a real source? And RT, they are, they are about disinformation. But I wouldn't say BBC is about disinformation. Sometimes the BBC may get their facts wrong. And that's misinformation, where a yeah. reliable source gets it wrong. Yeah. But, it's in, but so it, it's misinformation, but there's no malice. There's no malice. Of yeah, 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 yeah. But the, these, uh, these RTs, where, they, where they're constructing these things, the, these, these tweets, to, to, just to deceive and, 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 and to cause harm and, 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 and make people think and understand who, who they are and why. So... That's what people need to understand. And then when you layer on the complexity of malinformation, which is horribly tricky, and when you see a video of a bomb going off in a city centre, well, is, is it Kiev? Or is it is is it mm. is it is it is it, is it Moscow? Is it, there are some. I mean, the, the, and and then you know there are actually some quite challenging and interesting videos where people have superimposed the bombing on cities like Berlin or Paris, yeah, and they yeah. said, "Imagine if this was happening to you." Yeah, but yeah. actually, the technology is getting better and better to make those kind of videos look quite credible. You know, but, uh, but, but, but we talk about the, the, these deep fakes. Yeah, where you've got you know we, 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 where they can take over a personality. Yeah. A, a Trump, a Reagan, and get them to say outrageous things. Mm -hmm. And that's where you, this comes back to you. Is that credible that they would say that? Mm. Or, or, let me, or equally, 
do I want to hear them say that so I believe it? Mm. You know, in terms of if, if Obama says, we've got to close down the borders. You know, now do we believe them? I'm not, I'm not, Obama wouldn't say that. That's not him to say. Briefly, if, if Trump was going to close down the borders, you believe it. Yeah. But they could both be fabricated deep fake videos. These are challenging times. And this is where, okay, small hobby horse for me, Phil. This is where Twitter, Facebook need to get their act together to protect us from these deep fake, from this malinformation. That's what it's about. Because these things have been manipulated. And we know they've been manipulated, that they should do something about. But equally, we've got to get our people educated. And it starts at school. And I think the kids are ready. These, these kids have got these two internet accounts, one for them, the family, and one for the mates. They're internet savvy. You know, we want to make sure they're internet savvy. We educate them. Maybe a GCSE in, in fake news. <laughs> you understand it? No, I think it's good. We need it. Five in the eye. Story number three this week is that slap that went around the world. Was it a slap? Was it a theatrical slap? Did it really happen? Is it fake news? No, we've got to believe it happened. We've got to believe it happened. <laughs> but was was there a bit of theatre in that slap? Why didn't he punch him? You know, there are many questions. There are many unanswered questions for that for, for, for that incident. For me, for me, Phil, my takeaway from it was: if you look, Will Will Smith laughed at that joke. He laughed. It wasn't until he looked at his wife and saw that she wasn't laughing that he did something. Now, that's something, you know, we can question. And I, I knew to the point where people would argue they were both wrong. Will, you know, Chris Rock shouldn't have made such a, a, a disgusting comment on his wife and a, knowing her disability. Some people are saying, well, he didn't know. Not the point. He shouldn't be so personal. I, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe that for one moment. I'm sure he knew. I'm sure he knew, and I, and I, I'm sure, and I'm sure um, it was deliberate. And I, I, I think Rock was wrong to make that joke. It was very, very no, but no, clearly, Rock, Rock was wrong. But equally, Smith to get up there, all six foot two of them to slide across in that dramatic, dramatic theatrical way, and to give him. A theatre slap, you know, and that you, they could almost have rehearsed it in terms of the accuracy of it. It wasn't a punch; he didn't fall over, he didn't on the ground. It was, it was done, I think, from Smith's mind for effect. And it, I would have forgiven. Oh, no, I wouldn't have forgiven. That's not wrong. No, but he, did, he made even worse. He made those pejorative statements afterwards, not once but twice, and we now find that he was asked to leave. He was asked to leave, but he stayed there. And that to me seems the arrogance of him and to receive the award and to say those trope things about love makes you do cruel things. Uh-uh, I'm not sold. Well, so I mean, if, if, we, if, we, if, we, if we, if we, you know, effectively what that's saying is like, if we feel passionately about something, it's okay to be violent. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry, you know, I don't think many people buy that. Mm. I mean, I, I know there is the argument that says, well, he was standing up for his wife and she had been slighted publicly and humiliated about a condition that she suffers from. Okay. And, and I could understand 
someone feeling angry about that. But as I sort of said to you offline, Michael, I've said, you know, basically the, the options open to him were quite varied. I mean, he could have staged a walkout. He could have walked out with his wife and shown his contempt for Chris Rock and what he'd done. That would have been very dramatic. He could have gone up on the stage not hit rock, but actually gone to the mic and explained to the audience uh, about why the joke was hurtful, in which case rock would have been absolutely humiliated and would have had nowhere to go whatsoever. In fact, what he does is he kind of turns rock into a bit of a victim because uh, with, 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 his, with his slap and you, you were saying to me, Chris Rock's uh, show is now sold out. Yeah, so. yeah, it's sold out, yeah. <laughs> so in terms of not just a victim, he's bigged them up. Mm. He's bigged them up. And I think... For me, the sadness of this is male, this is male aggression, unchanneled, you know. And then when you layer on the fact that they were both black, it just makes it even worse. The fact that there was this concept of self-control, fully understanding the situation. But then I have to come back to he was protecting his woman, his wife, and the black woman is notoriously underprotected. Yeah, and, and, there were, and, there, and there were black women uh, talking after, you know, who'd been at the ceremony, who were saying things like, "Well, I wish, you know, you know, I'd, I'd like to have a man stand up for me like that." And and so, and I, I I I I get that, but I don't think we can sort of say that actually being a man involves fighting other men over. Uh, over the 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 the, the kind of um, the demeaning of your your woman because this is a recipe for men fighting perpetually, isn't it? And we want to we want to create a society where that is is no, not happening. I guess you're right for the violence. The violence is the thing that they were upset. He should have done something about something. Could have gone to the microphone, or I think someone should have done the old school British thing: just get up and walk out. You know, enough of this. I don't have to accept this. And move on, but he chose something which was just extraordinary. I love the, the consequences that we still don't know. We still don't know. What was it? Someone said there'll always be an asterisk against his award. In terms when you got that, that Oscar, there'll always yeah, be an but count, counter argument, Michael. What about you know? What about the Oscars for Roman Polanski for Harvey Weinstein? Exactly. No one's ever taken an Oscar away from those. They're not going to take and, and exactly. And I guess they're not going to take the Oscar from in my reading of it. They're probably going to. It's going to be probably kicked out of the the um the Academy, the Academy. which 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 has happened to other people. You know, so what happened um, to Polanski and the um and, and Weinstein. Weinstein. Yeah. So happened to both of them. So I think, but in some ways, that, that that's that protects the Academy's reputation, such as it is. Is that relevant? What 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 it doesn't do? It doesn't address how the two black men. Was seen on the world stage because there was a fabulous scene just after that when um, Denzel Washington w w w gave the uh, the uh, the prize or oh, okay the prize the Oscar to um, to Samuel L. Jackson and that's the first time Samuel L. Jackson has got an award. So you've got two black men, two giants of the stage there: Samuel L. Jackson, Denzel Washington, giving a lot of bro love, big hugs. I was going to say high fives, but you get the mood. There's a, there's a brilliant picture, brilliant picture. It's on, it's on the website that you'll see. It's on the Facebook page. And that, that should have been the story of the night. Uh-uh. 
we've got the sight of this black guy and this big gut guy beating up a smaller guy. You know, because um, Will Smith's five, six foot two or something, and then Chris Rock's five foot eight or something, my size, a small, delicate figure. You know, <laughs> Michael, fi- fi- final, final point on this. I mean, if I were being very cynical, I might say last year's Oscar ceremony attracted the lowest viewing figures Ooh, ever of any Oscar, ce- now, o- 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 Oscar ceremony. <laughs> no, uh, I, I can't believe you. No, no, go on. Go on no, sorry. well, you know, th- there might be a cynical view that, that, that said a bit of theatre at the Oscars was actually, is actually good long-term for their credibility. Phil, there may be something, and I saw some reports where that slap was a theatrical slap. Because, you know, rather than a proper, you know, fist up, punch, bosh in your face, that was a, it, it's only been in rehearsal for the slap. No, this is, oh, this, no, this is not to be laughed at, Phil. It's, it, it, it's an important... You're not spreading fake news now, are you, Michael, on, 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 on Five in the Eye? Because we're a very reliable source for news. They rehearsed this before, and they had, they've got a coach. You know, having said that, these are wealthy men. They're in Hollywood. They know, they know how these things work. So could it be an orchestrated we done? The, the consequences are, are still not over. It's still going to resonate film. And for me, I just want to finish on this point. They were both wrong. They were both wrong. And it's just, just a mess. Just an absolute mess. Five in the eye. Story number four this week is about our beloved pets. And um, the, under uh, an act of parliament, apparently if um, the, that um, families um, are no longer able to look after their, uh, their four-legged friends, um, perhaps because the owners have been hospitalized and there's no one else that can take on the job, councils have an obligation to, to care for them. And believe it or not, um, between 2020 and 2022, they spent a million quid looking after other people's pets. Hackney Council in East London looked after 34 cats and five dogs in that two time period, according to a Freedom of Information request. And on one occasion, uh, the local authorities spent £19,027 putting up four cats in the Elm Tree Luxury Pet Hotel. Now, at one level, Michael, this seems quite comical. The the the, the pampered the the pampered pets and the 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 um uh the the dogs and cats in living in the five star luxury. But we are talking about a world where people's council tax bills are rocketing where the cost of living crisis kicked in where some people can't afford to eat and we're putting cats up in luxury hotels there's something not right about this is there phil now this i, I can't believe i'm hearing you say that you, there's something not right about putting cats up in, in luxury hotels so I'm well, i mean obviously i'd like my own feline to have the very best <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna agree with you i'm gonna agree with you and just just lay it on a, a bit thicker in the sense that Part of our society, the strength of our society is how we treat minorities, those that are disadvantaged, and we do the best for them that we can. My problem with this is 19 grand mm. for a cat. That's a lot, that. That's a lot. We it's love a lot. your it's, cat. It's... We love your cat much as you do, but not 
19 grand. It's a lot of Sheba, isn't it? I mean, you know, let's face it. I mean, I, 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 you sort of wonder what this hotel must be like to be charging such exorbitant fees to look after the felines. Do you know, often the count, you know, this, this, this story pops up in a human form where we found out they're putting, they're putting refugees in, in four star hotels. And it's, it's, it's often an expedience for a moment. And then they moved them to a lower, more reasonably priced hotels. Mm. I didn't get the sense that the, the, these 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 cats were going anywhere. They were they were at home in this nineteen grand place. You know, I, I mean, we need some auditing there. I mean, I, you know, I suspect if, of, of 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 company. For if you them. try to move them, I expect there'd be a lot of scratching and biting and that kind of thing. Hello? And so per, per, perhaps they perhaps they would then say, "Well, well look, no, you better stay." No, no, I've got to say, so we're going from nineteen grand, nineteen grand, to a, a fiver. You know, there's a bit of there's a saving to be made there, Phil. There's a saving to be made. You know, so yeah, I guess I'll, I'll send you in there to take the scratches, but something has to be done. Of course, we should look after the animals of people who who have, are in are in in, in um, hospital and they haven't got anyone else to look after the animals. That's definite, no question. But whether we should, you know, these five star animal hotels, that's um, that's a discussion point. You know, I guess. You, Phil, you'd be you'd be happy to pay that, knowing that they were safe. I'd be just happy to know that they were safe, and the council's doing the very best with its budget. Five in the eye. Our final story this week is about a prison escape. So there was a guy who got out of a van, prison van in Dorset, um, and um, the he he's called Kyle Eglinton fled the van in pool last weekend after assaulting a security officer allegedly and there was a big search for him but um i'm guessing the search might have been made rather easier michael by the fact that apparently he was only wearing his underpants and socks at the time when he made his escape bid and i love the fact that he, he had a beard and he shaved his beard off <laughs> think <laughs> it be, he, he, yeah yeah so so he, 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 instead of being the bearded guy running around in his underpants, he was the, the clean-shaven guy running around in his underpants. Is, no, no one would find him. So where is he now? You know, I guess, you know, obviously we, should, we shouldn't approach him. But this whole idea of escaping in, in the minimum, of it just, I guess, you know, I'm going to say respect to him for having the guts to do it in, in, in his underpants. But he's in probably some... I don't know, some bin somewhere, sit waiting for the the, the coast to clear, and then it's gonna then it's gonna come out. I mean, the, the the good the good news, Michael, is he was located by officers from Dorset Police's uh, tactical firearms team. He was he was found Monday. at a mate's house. How did he get to his mate's house? Did he get the bus? <laughs> well, the, the, at, the, at the time when when they were appealing for help in tracing him, Superintendent uh, Heather Dixie of Dorset Police, she said, "I'd urge anyone who's seen a man in the area in just his underwear and socks." <laughs> and appears to be avoiding detection to please report it to us. Okay. Is that an offence to be walking in the streets in underwear and socks? Hmm, interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I suppose he was covering his modesty and what have you. I'm sorry, I, I guess I, I love the idea of, excuse me, sir, it's not it's inappropriate to tie here. Can you go and put a coat on? <laughs> Would you be, is, that, is that right? Would you be told to put a coat on? I'm going to try that. Not. <laughs> Can you walk down the street in socks and underpants? Not, not in Abbey Wood, Michael. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but I mean, if it's a hot day, 
It was a hot day, you know, you want to get, get, get a bit of fresh air around the body and a bit of the sun. I come to the shop in, in my cosy, put my cosy on. Oh, if I explain, cosy is costume, for, in the, the costume, Phil. You don't probably understand what a, a, a swimming A swimming garment, is that right, Michael? Swimming attire, actually. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what my relatives in Dublin call your togs. Your togs, yeah, get your togs on, yeah, exactly. Can you, in Dublin, can you walk in your togs in the street? Is that allowed? I don't know, I'll make some inquiries. Can you just do, do some, some fact-checking then, togs? Is this real news? Live in the eye. Well, that's it for another week. Time for Phil and me to escape. I'm keeping my underpants on and my trousers and on. Um, but we're going to put some clothes on. Please, Phil, get dressed. We're going. We hope you've enjoyed episode 0351. And will join us at the same time next Friday, which is always five in the eye day. For now, this is Phil Woodford signing off and saying goodbye. And this is me, Michael Hedjo, saying... If you have been, thanks for listening. Five the is heading into the signings and we're back on track next week. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?